Everybody, can can I just say hi to all of you at Hobson, everybody at 95th, Wheaton, Bolingbrook. So good to be together. It's going to be a good year. 2018 is upon us, and I'm so excited. As excited as I am, though, to dive into the new year, I do think it warrants us to just look back over the month of December at the Compass Church because God has done some great things. To not recognize, celebrate, and appreciate that, I think would be a miss. And so let's do, let's look back at December, and let me start with our Christmas Eve services. You know, we had a bunch of them at all four of our campuses, and boy, God, God moved, friends. We had an attendance of 6,400 people over our four campuses, which is 500 people more than last Christmas Eve. And that just blows me away, seeing growth like that. Huh? You know, I would uh, thank those of you who did the inviting. You know, I think of the 500 new people. I can't help but realize that at, at all four of our campuses, and I talked with many of you, courageous people reached out to neighbors, coworkers, family members, and said, hey, I don't know if you're worshiping anywhere on Christmas Eve. You should come to our church. And folks, they've come by the droves. And I just praise God for that. In addition to the inviting, I would thank you for serving. You know, as I got to uh, all four of the campuses, actually, I just saw armies of men and women and children, for that matter, serving the Lord on Christmas Eve, you know, the day when it's so easy to focus on self. And I just am inspired by the heart of the people of this church. One of the things that made it so fun, as I mentioned, I did get down to 95th. I got down to Bolingbrook. You know, just to be clear, normally I'm, I'm at Wheaton and at Hobson, and I don't usually get to enjoy firsthand witness of God's work in those two campuses. But I did get to preach a live service at both of them. And uh, to the Wheaton and Hobson people, let me just tell you, friends, those two campuses are rocking. And to see the vitality and the health, uh, I, I was at uh, 95th Street campus, and their Christmas Eve attendance was over 600 people, and it was a vibrant, passionate group. And seeing what God is doing, you know, 95th Street, for those of you who don't know, that's the south side of Naperville, and that campus has been just a vibrant community for a long time now. And, and we need to get uh, the 95th Street campus a permanent home. Well, let me just tell you, it is our growing conviction that fighting to own a facility for 95th is increasingly important. We are so grateful for the facility that we're renting there. We've got an office building. We rent about half of it. But they're the only campus that we don't own the facility. And we've become convinced that 
we, we need to change that. This year, in fact, we really want to make progress towards identifying the route to take in order to purchase and own. By owning your own facility, it increases ministry effectiveness. It also secures the longevity of generational impact because you own the place. And so we've actually been working with a contractor that specializes in identifying ideal properties for churches. And so we're, we're active on that. And you'll probably hear more about that this year. So love you at 95th. Keep up the good work. And then Bolingbrook. Oh, was it great to be with Bolingbrook? They were over 300 in attendance at our Christmas Eve services. Something you should know about our Bolingbrook campus is that they have a Spanish service. They just launched it. And their Spanish service is just doing fantastic. In fact, when I was there last week, they had baptisms, and a couple of the people baptized were from the Spanish-speaking service uh, at that campus. And we are just, we're so proud of you, Bolingbrook Campus. The place is looking great, too. You may not be aware, we have invested a lot of money in the renovation of their facility, parking lot, auditorium, and it's, boy, it's just looking great. And just so grateful for the effective ministry. You know, uh, Bolingbrook has got a clinic. Uh, it's the Christian, uh, Bolingbrook Christian Health Center. Uh, we actually provide the facilities. The, the health clinic meets in our campus. And uh, they are a partner ministry of ours. And uh, over Christmas, they uh, brought in this huge Christmas party where all the clients of this health clinic came. Uh, over f- 500 people. And we had uh, gifts that we gave away and volunteers there. And the cause of Christ is going forward in that clinic with the love of Christ, providing medical care to those who can't afford it. How fun is what's going on at our Bolingbrook campus. I would add this. Can we talk about generosity just for a moment? Uh, We called December the season of generosity. And my friends, so it was. Uh, I, I would start by our Compass Global Christian Christmas offering. This is a special gift above and beyond our regular giving towards uh, missions. You know, we talk about bringing the hope of the gospel here, near, and far. Well, this is the far component, like Asia and Africa and Central America. And I am uh, so excited about the church planting that project is going towards and the Awana clubs and the orphan care, disaster relief. You ready? In one month, Uh, Our church gave $163,000, which is $30,000 more than last year. Last year blew us away. $30,000 more. Bravo, people of God. Thank you for that generosity. How about the Children's Hunger Fund? This is those boxes of food that we gave towards those in our community that are in need. Our church gave 873 boxes of food. The meal total is 42,000 meals to families in Chicagoland area who are in need. <laughs> Love it. How about uh, at the Wheaton campus? They had the Night of Noel where their justice market, their store there, raised over $9,000 for oppressed and marginalized people. How about uh, Hobson? Hobson had the gift bundle to local homeless people. We were shocked to find out how the, the six school districts in our vicinity have a ton of families that are technically homeless. And we gave at Hobson 367 
bundles of blankets and gift cards to those needy families. The cause of Christ, the love of Christ, went out in beautiful fashion from this church in many, many ways. And then you say, well, what about the regular giving? Did it plummet because we were doing generosity in so many other different ways? No, I am delighted to tell you that we finished the calendar year right on target financially. The generosity just continues to flow. So can we thank God at all four campuses and thank each other? Praise God. Now, that said, mark my words, 2018, better yet. I am very much ready to charge into this new year with the Lord. Now, I say that, and the truth is I'm lagging in my transition. I, we still have all of our Christmas decorations. It's been two weeks, and all of our Christmas decorations are still up. Am I alone in that? Raise your hand at all four campuses if you still have your Christmas decorations up. You're bums too. You know, we need to get our act together. Christmas is over, you know. Let, let's make a commitment, all right? By Easter, our Christmas stuff will be down. Is that fair? You know, I, uh, one of the benefits of the Christmas tree still being up in our house was I was able to go over and pull this little bell ornament off of the tree. All of our ornaments seem to have a story behind them that we uh, inflict upon our children. They're like, nah, we heard it already. Hear it again. Now, this one uh, is very special to me. And engraved on this silver bell is this saying, every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings, which is heresy. It's not true. It's not biblical. You know, there's nothing in scripture about it, but I love it. And what movie does it come out of? It's a Wonderful Life. Yes, absolutely adore that movie. Here's actually a picture of the scene. This is Zuzu, the little girl who looks over at this tree and the bell is there. And she says, teacher says, every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. I want to tell you how I got the bell. Are you ready? It was after church, and this guy comes up to me, and he's like, hey, Jeff, I want to introduce you to my friend. She's a movie star. And this old lady comes up to me, and she goes, I'm Catherine Grimes. You'll know me better as Zuzu. And I'm like, get out of here. She goes, no, I had the unspeakable privilege, this is her right here, of playing this role 71 years ago. And... Uh, I was blown away. The movie star. Turns out she was never in another movie. This was it, her, her acting career. She said, but this one movie has just marked my life. She goes, I didn't think it would. At first, she told me, we, we sat down. I said, I've never been with a movie star. Can we talk? So we sat down and we talked. In fact, I will tell you this. So at the end of our lengthy conversation, she dug around in her purse. She goes, I have a gift for you. And she gives me this bell, you know, and so I'm like, oh. So I tell my kids, you know, the movie center, we're tight friends. <laughs> we're on a gift-giving level, you know what I mean? But she told me, she said, you know, at first the movie was kind of a flop. It didn't do well in the box office. She goes, but normally movies, you know, fade from popularity following their release. She goes, the uncanny thing about this movie is that over 70 years, it has continued to grow in popularity. She goes, I, I thought it was going to fade away. And to my amazement, this little movie we made just keeps getting bigger and bigger. She said to me, do you know how many people watched it on TV this year? She said, over 5 million people. 
What kind of movie after 70 years is still gaining popularity? Well, actually, that's what I asked her. I said, how come? And she gave me an explanation that I find fascinating, and I share it with you. She says, the theme of It's a Wonderful Life resonates deeply in the soul of humanity. She says, I go further. She says, I believe God has hardwired us all to long for significance. Significance is what the movie's about. In case you haven't seen it, first of all, get on the bandwagon for crying out loud, but the movie is about significance, about a guy who thinks his life is not significant. George Bailey is depressed. He looks like his life is a mess. He's suicidal. And in that very moment, an angel shows up and says, George, you've made more of an impact than you think. And the angel was able to show him what his little town would be like had he never lived. And it was shocking. And folks, we resonate with that. We want to get to the end of our lives and say, we've made a difference. You know, nobody wants to get to death and look back and to say, all I can say is I survived. All I can say is that I had a few good times along the way. We want to get to the end and look back and say, the world is marked because God used me. People are different because God used me. We yearn for significance. God made us to yearn for it because God made us to live a significant life. Every time I see this little bell, I think of the message of that great story. And and here's the good news. If you're one of those who yearns for your one life to matter, and I know it's crazy. We're so profoundly aware of our own mediocrity, ordinariness. And yet, God takes ordinary people and uses them to change the world. And those of you who long for your one life to count, good news. Welcome to the Compass Church. That's what we're all about. We have banded together as a family, as a community, in part so that together we can make our one lives count for Jesus to change the world. It's our mission. In fact, our mission statement reflects how that's what we're here to do. We're here to help each other change the world. Our mission statement. I love it. Maybe you can remember it. I love it so much. You may think this is weird, and that's fair. I'm weird. Uh, I made, uh, just in the last couple of weeks, this little sign. Uh, I found some wood and these letters and put our mission statement. Here's what happens when you don't let me preach for a week. I don't know what to do with my time, and so I end up making goofy stuff like this. To love him more, so more love him. Uh, Jora, my eldest, she asked me, Dad, what's your dream for 2018? And I didn't even hesitate. This is my dream. If you want to know my heart, my dream for my life and for your life, for our church at all four campuses, is to love him more. So more love him. I'm convinced that this is the key to how our lives can, can make a difference. So let's talk about it. Do you mind? I'd, I'd like to remind you of the biblical basis for our mission statement and then point out a detail of our mission statement that I've never commented on before and I think it's profound. So let me start with this first statement. To love him more. Both halves of this are based on statements of Jesus Christ. And it's nice. They both 
start with the great. There's the great commandment and the great commission. In this first part, to love him more, is the great commandment. Jesus was asked, what is the most important commandment in all of life? And let me read to you what he said. This is Matthew 22, verse 37. Jesus replied, here it is, people. Here's what the main thing is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Jesus says, this is the first, this is the greatest commandment. Christ says, at its core, people, our faith is a love relationship with God. Now that's scandalous. It's shocking to many of us. It was to me. Here I was a Christian as a young man and yet missing the love God thing. How do you miss that? Well, here's how I did. I thought Christianity was all about morality, you know, follow the rules. The Bible's full of rules. And so I was into, you know, trying to be a squeaky clean kid. And I, I saw all the rituals, you know, all the church activities. And I thought, you know, rules, rituals, that's really the essence of it. The truth was, I didn't know, relationally, I didn't know God. I didn't love God. And as a result, my Christianity was powerless and disgusting, truthfully. The essence of it is you can know God. You can burn with a growing affection for the maker and savior of planet Earth. I wonder if 2018 is going to be a season of awakening of greater intensity of affection for your Lord in your life. Let me just tell you how that can be. A little guidance here. You're doing the first thing. Come to church. We come to church to grow in love for the Lord. You know, we sing songs, not because we love songs. These are love songs to the Savior that foster a growing affection for him when we engage with those songs. Preaching. Here, I'm going to just share with you what I'm up to. You want to know what I'm doing? My objective when preaching from the Bible is to use, use words to paint pictures of God that will win your heart. I am convinced that the Lord is more beautiful and wonderful than any of us have ever imagined. And as we study his word, we'll have these moments of epiphany where we're like, wow, wow! God is more wonderful than I ever knew. And as his glory is manifested, as his beauty manifested through the preaching of his word, I'm praying you fall in love with him more and more. Uh, pursue him daily. We, we've got four priorities. Pursue, connect, serve, reach. Pursue is pursue him daily. That's all about falling in love with him more by meeting with him in prayer and Bible study. You know, in a, in a dating relationship, if you don't get together, if you don't date, the love will grow cold. Same is true with God. We got to date him. We got to meet with him. And so many of us set aside a little bit of time every day to get alone and pursue him. Uh, in fact, maybe you're convicted even as I say that and you recognize I've not been doing that. Well, this is a great time to start. We're in the New Year's resolution time of the year and so let's make a New Year's resolution to re-engage with our habit of pursuing him daily. And we have a tool to help you. You'll notice uh, in your seat back that there's this Pursue Him Daily card. This card is a Bible reading plan that'll take you from now until Easter. 
It's really fun. I, I love how it's laid out. It's, it's all passages of the Gospels that study the life of Christ, and it's made to go from his birth, Christmas, to his resurrection, Easter. And so here's a chance for you to grab this tool and say, let's do it. You, you may want to use the electronic version of this on, on the Compass Church app. It's, it's painfully simple there. Here you have a reference and you got to look it up. With the app, you just press it each day and boom, the scripture pops up there and you can read it right on your device. But folks, let's pursue him daily and see the affection grow as a result. Let me give you one more. And that is connecting community. You know, that's the second of our four priorities, connecting community. We've been saying that church is not an event you attend. It's a family you belong to. And we express that by finding a group, a small group, a mid-sized group, so that we can do life together. You say, why does connecting with people make my love for God grow? I'll tell you, it's the charcoal principle. Some of you aren't old enough to remember the good old charcoal grill. But in those days, you'd pile the, the uh, briquettes close together. And squirrel kinds of lighter fluid. It was great. Anyways, if they're close together, they were red hot. If you spread them out, they went cold. And the same is true spiritually. If, if Christians are isolated, our love for God tends to grow cold. If Christians are in community, if they're rubbing shoulders with others with love for Jesus, the heat of their love for Jesus rubs off on me, and I find myself loving him more as a result of the effect of others on me. And so come to church, pursue him daily, Bible study and prayer, connect in community in a group. These are ways we can accomplish this first part in this coming year and actually grow in our love, our passion for Christ. That's the great commandment. Here's the great commission. So that more love him. This is expressed still in Matthew, but this is Matthew 28. This is actually the very end. These are the last words of Jesus Christ found in the Gospel of Matthew. This is where he's going to leave planet Earth, and he leaves this assignment to his people. He says to his disciples, verse 19, Go, go and make disciples of all nations. Let me paraphrase that. Jesus is saying, guys, go change the world. All nations. I mean, he's not just saying make a difference. He's saying here, near, and far. Go. Do this great world-changing assignment I'm giving you. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Uh, first of all, uh, let, me, let me just talk about the disciple thing. Make disciples. I can imagine the disciples say, no, no, no. We are disciples. When this discipleship thing, they saw themselves as receivers, not givers. They are becoming disciples, not making. Jesus says, the very thing you've enjoyed, you need to help others enjoy. And being a disciple of Jesus has changed everything for these guys. And now Jesus says, you know how your life has been turned upside down in the most wonderful ways? Help others experience that same thing. Uh, love him more so that more love him. Help others experience what you're experiencing. That's the essence of it. And then the phrase, this commission goes on, two things, baptize 
and teach them to obey everything that I've taught you. I see these words, evangelism and discipleship, those two things. These are two ways we impact people. Evangelism is helping those far from God discover new life with Jesus. And that's what baptism is all about. Baptism is the ceremony that celebrates our new life in Christ. Baptism, you go underwater, that symbolizes my old life is dead. And then you burst out of the water and that symbolizes I have been given a brand new resurrection life in Jesus Christ. And folks, we need to help people far from God find him and start new life with him. But it's not just getting people saved, getting them reconciled to God. It's also helping them grow as Christians, teaching them to obey everything. This is discipleship. This is training Christians to flourish, to be more like Jesus, to live out more of his instructions and vision, to embody the kingdom life Christ invited us all into. And so uh, Jesus says, change the world, people. Help non-believers become Christians. Help Christians grow. That's how, that's how you change the world. And uh, we here at the Compass Church have the audacity to believe that God's going to use us to change the lives of many. We believe it. And I believe that in this coming year, 2018, this thing is going to happen more than ever in our church. I'll tell you, the, the series that I've been planning are all about this. Next series is about the Holy Spirit. This is the power of God in us to change the world. The series after that is on evangelism, how God can use us to help others. As this year progresses, Lord willing, this stuff is going to be happening in us and through us more and more. So do you see it? To love him more, so more love him. Great commandment, great commission. Now, I told you that there's something I want to point out that I've never pointed out before. And it may seem insignificant to you, but I think it's huge. What I want to point out is this teeny little word, so. This is the word that connects the first part to the second part. It's a cause and effect connect. Love him more so that more love him. It it implies that by doing the first part, this part will be the result. Is that true? Is that biblical? It's a fair question. I believe it is. That's why I'm so passionate about this mission statement. I believe that if you want to affect the world, the key is first loving him more and that that will lead to this. And you say, how is that? I'll use props to illustrate what I find in scripture and what I've seen in my own life. And and these two props are two liquids, fuel and perfume. Some guys think uh, gas is a perfume. No, it's not. Uh, (laughs) you've been working with the car, don't expect a hug until you take a shower, right? The growing love for God. When you do the first part of our mission statement, the more you love him, that love for God is a fuel that compels you to impact the world. And that growing love for God is a perfume that draws people to that same love you're enjoying. Well, let me show you how, how these both work. I'll, I'll start with the fuel. Uh, if, if you don't love the Lord with increased measure, you're like an engine that's got no fuel. There's no fire. It's not burning. It's not roaring. But that love for the Lord, as it grows, it will fuel your 
uh, impact. I'm going to use or quote a verse that I, I studied with you just the last time I was with you, and that's Christmas Eve. Do you remember this? John 14, verse 23. Jesus said, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Jesus says, yes, I want people to obey my teaching, but I want them to obey inspired by love, not obligation. You know, if you're, I'm supposed to make a difference in the world. I guess I'll go be an ambassador of the Lord. I don't want, no, you got to have your heart in it. You need the fuel of loving him. I'll share about this with my own life. Um, Okay, and I'm going to use a strong word here, but it's, it's how I felt. I hated evangelism as a young man. Despised it. People would say, we need to be a witness to our community. Yeah, we need to share our faith with our... Yeah, just the whole concept of twisting somebody else, proselytizing. Ah, couldn't stand it. You know the main reason? I didn't love Jesus. Can you imagine me uh, saying, well, I'm feeling obligated, and so, hey, you know, I'm not really into this God thing myself, but you should sign up and give him your life. You know, no, you're not. (laughs) Evangelism changed when I fell in love with Christ, when he became the obsession of my life. I was 20 years old, and I just suddenly burned, and I'm like... Jesus, you've changed everything for me. Not only have you forgiven my sin and adopted me into the family of God, but you've given me passion and you've given me joy and confidence and zeal and and courage. Everything is different. The world looks different. People need this. People need to enjoy what I'm enjoying. This is the greatest thing ever. And do you see how growing love for God fueled my desire to share that with others? And suddenly this evangelism that I couldn't stand became my passion to help others find life in Christ that I am so enjoying. And so I would just tell you, don't get the cart before the horse. If you don't love him yet, don't go out there and say, you should follow Jesus. Start here. Fall hopelessly in love with the God of the universe and that will fuel you, compel you to obey and impacting others. So it's, it's a fuel. What about perfume? I've got this great verse I want to read to you. This is 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14. And it simply says, wherever you go throughout your life, throughout your world, here's what you're to do. Wherever we go, God uses us to make it clear what it means to know Christ. It's like a fragrance that fills the air. Isn't that beautiful? Wherever we go, God uses us to make what clear? To make it clear what it means to know Christ. You should know that when the Bible talks about knowing Christ, it's not knowing facts about him. It's Hebraic epistemology to the Hebrew. To know epistemology was experiential, relational. To know Christ means to really be in a relationship with him, not just know facts about him. And so when you're in a love relationship with him, you are like a fragrance. The whole world says, wow, you're a little different. You smell good. And it draws people, it allures people in. They say, I want what you've got. Now, if you you don't have a no 
relationship with Christ, if you're just kind of religious in the head knowledge thing, your life won't smell good. People will be like, I'll take a pass. But if you're alive with vibrant affection for your Lord, there's something sweet about your life that people are going to be drawn to. Here, I'll give you an example in my life. When I was in college, this is during my season of growing in love with the Lord, there was a professor by the name of Dr. Lyle Dorset. Here's a picture of him that I just love. Uh, Lyle now is down in Alabama, still teaching down there. When I had him at Wheaton College, he was a relatively new Christian. Kind of a crazy story. The, life's guy, the, life's, uh, the guy's life was a disaster. He accepted Christ at 40. Before 40, though, he was an alcoholic, hopelessly addicted to alcohol, could not stop. His marriage was a disaster, a train wreck divorce. He was miserable. He was depressed. He was ready to just call it quits on life. And then he was radically saved. Encounter Jesus Christ, his forgiveness, his power, his newness of life. And I knew him, you know, and he was relatively new in this faith. And that, I love this picture because that joy is what I saw every day in class. I mean, he would say, class, we have gathered here to study the Savior. He said, do you realize we have the privilege of gazing into the eyes of a Lord who loves us and is so righteous and pure? How cool is it? I remember thinking, He's had too much coffee this morning. You know, he's freaking me out a little bit. But the more I saw this passion, the more I was like, wow, I want that. He smells good. I am drawn. I couldn't wait to go to class and to learn more and to be drawn into this fullness of life on display here. Now, had I known the old Lyle, where there was no love for God and it was all a train wreck, I would not have said, I want what you got. You see, this love for God growing in us is kind of like proof to the world that this works. Look at me. I am not perfect, far from it, but I am being transformed by the reality of Christ and his love. And it's evident. There's an aroma to my life that'll draw you in. And so, folks, if we want to make an impact in the world, we start with loving him more because people who are on fire with love for God, they are effective at drawing in others to want the same. Starting to make sense? You know, as we go back to our mission statement, start with loving him more. More, when you fall in love with Christ yourself, that love will be a fuel that compels you to live for him and, and, and bring him to others. That love will be a fragrance that makes your life compelling and beautiful, that will draw others in and make them want what you've got. And you try to do this without this, uh, it's a mess. And so may 2018 be a year where we love him more, so more love him. This thought crossed my mind, thinking about this coming year. Let's go back to It's a Wonderful Life. Can I show you a photo? This is Clarence, the frumpy angel. Remember him? And he's meeting with uh, George Bailey. And this is the moment when Clarence says, George, I need to pull back the curtain and show you the impact your life has made. What if Clarence came to the Compass Church at the end of this year? And what if Clarence said, people of the Compass Church, I want to show you 
what really happened, the difference really made in 2018. Wouldn't that be fun? And what if he pulled back the curtain and he said, do you realize this last year was a year where this group of people at all four campuses grew significantly in their love for Christ, to love him more? It happened. They started meeting with the Lord daily in Bible study and prayer, coming to church and worshiping with abandon. They were in community groups. And as a result, see, the cumulative love growth thing is really fun. You grow a little bit in your love for Christ, but so does the person next to you. And all of us, when together we're all growing to love him more, the cumulative effect of that is a community that is red hot with enthusiasm for their Savior. And what if Clarence said, Boy, it's happening. The people of the Compass Church are growing to love him more this year. And then he said, you know what that's resulted in? He said, that's resulted in more people all over the place coming to know Christ. Last night, I was at the Wheaton campus, and this guy afterwards came up to me. He goes, this is my first time at church. He goes, I've never been a church person. A guy at work told me I should come because I'm missing something. And I said, well, welcome, my friend. You're at the place to find that thing you're missing. And I can, he and I are going to get together for lunch this week. I can tell that this is uh, going to happen more and more. I mean, it's happening in this guy. And Lord willing, there, Clarence would show us that there was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who found reconciliation with God through Christ and are vibrantly living newness of life. May that be true at a level that our church has never seen before. Let us look back and say, wow, what a year. Now, I want to close in prayer, and I pray because we need God's help. If this is going to happen, it only happens with his help. So would you pray with me? Lord, we can't make this happen. We'll just say it. We can't do it alone. And so we beg you, come in power, Lord. Would you please, let me start with the first part of that mission statement. Awaken a love for you in our hearts that is stunning. (laughs) Lord, I pray every one of us without exception in the coming months would find ourselves more amazed at, at your beauty and glory and that we would get caught up in this growing affection for you that is fueling our lives. Let me pray for the second part. God, I pray that more will come to love you. Please, God, in our church at all four campuses in the days ahead, would you bring a wave of evangelistic effectiveness and where we'd find people all over the place exploring Christianity and many, many hundreds, actually, committing their lives to Christ for the first time. Do it, God. This has been your thing for 2,000 years. Do it again. And do it in us. And do it this year. Please. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.